This is Marketable, a Notice Pictures podcast that explores the ever-changing landscape faced by marketing teams. Welcome back, everybody. This is Marketable. I am Jeff Barry here with my partner and co-host, Ryan Jones. Hello, hello. Today, we're going to talk about iterations, the best thing we call it, versions of videos that are required in our deliverable package. And, and Ryan, we recently had a situation where that uh, those iterations became pretty hefty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something that has been steadily growing over the years. And we sort of touched on this in the opening episode just about uh, the constantly ever-changing nature of video runtimes, which will be something that we discuss, I think, in a different episode, um, although it is kind of tangentially related, so we'll probably have some overlap there. But as new social media platforms arise and each of them having their different standards and that kind of thing, inherently there's a need for different iterations of a given video. So, I mean, I guess we can start by just quickly defining what that means. So as an example, the standard sort of output that we would make would be a 16 by nine version of a video, which that's sort of the standard widescreen. You think about the shape of your television, unless you're using an old tube TV that's square. Uh, 16 by nine is that widescreen aspect ratio. And uh, we're kind of not necessarily beholden to length. It's just whatever the story dictates. And that's sort of the core deliverable. And then everything else branches off from that. And that can change the length. It can change the aspect ratio. When we talk about aspect ratio, that's the shape of the frame that we're using. Um, it Do we have burnt-in captions? Do we have subtitles? Do we have different languages in the audio track? There are dozens of variables. And when you take those dozens of variables and multiply them over a few deliverables, you really quickly get this exponential growth of what those uh, that number of deliverables becomes. One of the side effects of all that is how do you just track that? You know, in this situation, we were up to, say, 150-ish videos. Is that right, Ryan? Yeah. On this most recent project that we did, the the variables were we need 16 by 9 versions. For some, we need 1 by 1. For some, we need 9 by 16, which is Instagram uh, sort of height and width. And then they need a version for all of them with burnt-in captions, which means the subtitles, captions are automatically toggled on. They need some where they're not automatically toggled on. They need SRT files for YouTube, all of these things. And yeah, basically for... The core deliverables were um, seven videos, I would say, five testimonials, um, and then two sort of product-related videos, maybe three. So yeah, call it seven to eight core deliverables. But when you added in all of the iterations, it came out to, I think we landed at 154 videos that we are delivering. I mean, that's just a massive amount of material from something as simple as seven to eight videos. All necessary, of course, but this all has side effects and things to be figured out as this is evolving. And it's something that has slowly increased, I think, over the last maybe six months, would you say, Ryan, where this has seemed to be picking up steam and needing these iterations? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that it's for the past four or five years easily, I would say it was not uncommon to say we need a one-by-one version for Instagram. But then these things change so rapidly, and then Instagram starts doing stories. And so that's when you need a 9 by 16 version for that. And that's a drastically different aspect ratio than 16 by 9. It's very difficult. Well, let's just talk about that for one second, because it brings in the question while we're in production, what are we doing? Are we shooting 16.9, which is what we'd normally be in? Or are we shooting 916 or are we shooting both, which kind of doubles your time. So we've been dealing with that by utilizing resolution in the camera, whether it's 4K, 6K, 8K, whatever we may want it to be, knowing that we're only going to have a 1080 deliverable, taking a slice out of it to get 916. But there's trade-offs there and what you're really getting, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that we, in all aspects, try to maximize that production day so that we are able to deliver a high yield of material. And that goes beyond just the aspect ratios that we're shooting in. You know, to your point, we want to look at the frame in such a way that in the easiest way possible, we can go from that wide aspect ratio to a tall aspect ratio without having to cheat it very much. And Additionally, because we're looking at different lengths of videos, we're trying to make sure that as we're capturing things, it's going to work whether we're doing a six-minute cut for YouTube of, say, a tutorial video, a how-to video, which we could maybe then cut into a six-second pre-roll thing and have them both be equally effective and communicating the client's message. And so it is a lot of math that is required on set to be able to do this and to do it in a cost-effective way so that the client is really getting not only everything that they need for the various outlets that they're trying to reach and the various audiences, but to get that in a cost-effective and also frankly, time-effective way. We don't have all the time in the world to capture a thousand different takes for all the various social media platforms. Yeah, that's one of the things that I'm really bumping up to is how do we communicate these issues that come up from a production standpoint to the client for them to understand the ramifications of what this does to the shoot day in production? Because that's really ultimately your more costly part of things because you're carrying the most labor on a production day versus just an editing day or something like that. So, you know, how do we communicate that in a way that's like, okay, yeah, you're just in this setup, just get it for this other thing. But really your framing is different. You've got to go in, if you're shooting natively for it, you're either, you know, 916, the best way to do it is to really turn the camera on its side. So the camera is shooting, um, you know, at, on a 90 degree plate on the tripod versus where a normal situation would be for 16.9. It's not turned 90 degrees either left or the right to give us the 916. So although we're in that setup and these seem like little changes, it very quickly gets time consuming to, to be bouncing back and forth to one or the other, or you're putting another camera on it and saying, okay, we just move a camera out that's 16.9, B camera is going to shoot 9.16. But then you've got to have the person power to be able to move that in. So it's like so many ramifications. You know, our goal, of course, is to get as many versions of this as necessary. But 
understanding there's a give and take. Let's just say you've only got one shoot day. So that's where it starts to get tricky of like, what are we watering down in our time to be able to capture something and be thoughtful about the way that we're communicating the story and still get what needs to be gotten to be able to go on all of the platforms. I mean, that's just something we haven't, you know, it's a work in progress for us to be able to communicate that. Yeah, I think that there's also, you know, you talk about the the time and uh, how much time we have in a day, but I would even say there's a, a smaller unit of measure when we're considering this, which is realistically how many takes do we have of a given shot? Because sometimes we're we're capturing things organically that aren't staged, that aren't blocked, and so it's kind of, you know, more from a documentary style and you can't go back and just, you know, retake a something that is happening live or uh, something in between that where it's something that, you know, if we're painting a wall or something, you can't really go back that many times and recapture the paint rolling out on the wall without having to reprime the surface, wait for it to dry, and then get that shot again. So maybe you have multiple flats where we're capturing paint rolling against the wall and we can work around it. But even that is a finite resource. So it really kind of getting back to your question of how do we handle this within our clients in terms of setting up that expectation and and understanding what their expectations are so that we can accomplish this effectively, I think it's twofold. On the one hand, we have to be able to have a clear conversation with our clients to understand where do you want this video to go? Is this just going to be on your YouTube channel? Are you wanting this primarily for Instagram and maybe you'll use it for YouTube down the line? Is it going to be for pre-roll? So we're capturing something that can be distilled in six seconds, 15 seconds, 30 seconds, all of these aspects so that we can go into it with a solid plan because we can accomplish a whole lot in a single day if we know what we're getting into. Now, that being said, the second part of this communication is actually understanding that these needs change in our experience, when they see the material, often other teams that aren't involved in the conversation at the beginning maybe suddenly see the material and they're like, oh my gosh, well, I would love to have this for a Pinterest post or Mm -hmm. um, an Instagram or a Facebook or whatever, or can we turn this into a TikTok? And we might not have shot for that, but or, well, we might not have had that communication or that conversation ahead of time, but if we go into it shooting in the most flexible way possible and even suggesting on the fly, hey, let's grab this this way just in case you need it for TikTok, then at least we're prepared because we always want to be in a situation where we're putting ourselves in the position in post-production with the client when they make these requests that weren't necessarily in the original scope of work, we want to be in the position to say, yeah, you know, let's try it. No problem. Let's let's take a stab at it. Now, inwardly, yep. we might be like, oof, this is going to be a challenge. But right. our response is always, yep, let's let's take a crack at it and, and see what we can do. Yeah, that was a great point that you made there when you started because I was just thinking about it as we were encountering it in a narrative situation recently. But in the live situation, I'm thinking of our uh, client, a car client. You know, if their car is out on the road in a documentary setup, how do you go back and figure out, okay, we got to get the second camera on the 
on the gimbal that's on the side of the the follow card, uh, you know, it just becomes uh, difficult in a day. But I'm curious to see where this goes for the client because ultimately this is a result of trying to have coverage on so many different platforms. And as social media platforms, I think, continue to grow, we, we've, we've moved away from just having a couple, right? We had Facebook starting, Twitter, YouTube got in the mix. But there's so many different platforms now, and there's so many different platforms that pop up and fall off. One gets hot. So, you know, I, I, somebody brought up Vine the other day and thinking mm-hmm. about, you know, that Vine really, that was the, the thing that, you know, made TikTok the idea for TikTok. And there was some yeah, relationship exactly. that happened there. I think eventually that they buy Vine and then they, they well, no, it's like Vine, like Vine shut down for some reason. Uh, I'm, right. And I don't recall why, but I, I know that a lot of people, my wife included, who was a big Vine consumer, um, were like, why is this shutting down? This is like the best. And it was so interesting because, and TikTok has somewhat taken this over, although TikTok didn't, doesn't have the limits that Vine right. did, you know, where it was, what was it, seven seconds? Six, six or seven, yeah. Yeah, which was really cool to see. I don't know. For me, I would look at that limitation and be like, I can't, I can't tell a story or do something funny in six or seven seconds. And you see these young people, you know, high schoolers that are doing amazing creative things in this short, you know, little context. And it was really um, simultaneously inspiring and frustrating because I was like, I still don't know how I would, I would even begin to tackle this. I mean, there were amazing narrative stories that were being told over Vine in those, yep. you know, seconds of increments. But and I think if I remember correctly, I think that the founder of TikTok, I think they did buy Vine at some point and then mm. put it to bed as TikTok was launching or something. There, were, there was some relationship that happened there, but it was a real basis for what TikTok started as and then grew into. But point being is as brands are chasing different platforms and then taking the time and the money to create deliverables for all of them, how do you gauge what's actually getting you traction and being useful? And so I'm interested to see as we continue to move forward, certainly through this year where social media feels like it's shifting a little bit to see when it feels like for companies, no, we're just going to put our money and value into these couple of platforms because we feel that that's where we have the most traction. We're getting the most return. We're getting the most interaction with people, uh, you know, fans of the brand. And are they even able, you know, certainly there's so much tracking in it, but how do they quantify it from that side to say, okay, we're adding on X amount of editing days to create all of these 154 iterations? Where does that have value or not? You know, I don't, I don't know how that becomes trackable, but certainly it has to at some point, I would think. Yeah, I mean, I think that the the value and sort of the game-changing aspect, obviously, of social media is the hyper-targeted nature of it, which is why with something like Facebook, where you can really home in on such hyper-specific targets, whereas with, say, TV, even just, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you're just basically hoping, you know, 
I think that people that watch Lost will like this. And a lot of people watch Lost and, you know, let's advertise against that or more obviously the Super Bowl. Um, but it's funny because, like you said, it's always changing. And, and the question is, which platform? And it, that varies from client to client. But before we were recording, I was looking up, you know, what are the actual top social media platforms today and i was going to mm. challenge you to see like what do oh, you man. think are the top just give guess your top five um and this is based on uh monthly active users oh boy wow okay i'm gonna go top five tiktok youtube instagram facebook twitter yeah, you're pretty close. So are you going five to one on that or one to five? One to five. Okay, and you said number used one. Most to least. One, TikTok. Mm-hmm. Two, YouTube. Three, Instagram. Four, Facebook. Five, Twitter for most okay, used so, to least use. Yeah, so you're close. Number one is Facebook still. One is Facebook? Yeah. Cause, still? Because it still has the high – it's 2.96 billion – monthly active users. So I I think just because it's been around so long and the global reach of it is so massive, you know, it's like when Sean, Sean, you know, our our silent partner partner on the podcast, he's off um, right now uh, doing something majestic in uh, an enchanted wood somewhere. Um, (laughs) Otherwise he would be joining us. Um, But we did uh, some work in a refugee camp in Kenya a number of years ago. And the refugees in that camp were all on Facebook. Like we're still friends with them on Facebook. So massive reach Facebook. Um, I believe you had YouTube as number two. That is correct. 2.2 billion uh, MAUs. Now, number three is WhatsApp, which I think is a little bit of a, cheat because I guess that is a social media thing but I don't we don't is have it? any clients that are like I don't know if like do you advertise on WhatsApp I'd have to look into that I've, I've never Isn't heard it just we've never kind of phone calls yeah it's phone messaging. calls and messaging messaging right but I don't know I, but anyway I only use that's, that with some international friends yeah exactly same same kind of thing just when necessary but now with international calling I don't even know what the point is it's not right you know so then number four was instagram uh also with two billion maus so that must be they must be neck and neck there um and then number five is wechat well what's wechat are we old wechat i don't i guess we don't chat you and i but yeah uh, (laughs) clearly we're just old fogies we just use apple messages for yeah i guess we gotta look at slack and Slack, right? What? Uh, so you, did you? You didn't even name TikTok there. No, TikTok is number six. Wow. Yeah, I, and then I'm, more, more surprising to me was Twitter is way down at number fourteen. Yeah, I wondered when I when I threw Twitter in there, I was like, I'm probably aging myself a little bit because it seems like from what I see in the news that Twitter isn't even really registering now. And obviously, there's been a lot of fluctuation with the company and exactly what they're doing. But that's yeah. that's you said 14. Yeah, number 14. So it falls behind. Number 13 is Pinterest. 12 Q Zone. Don't know what that is. 11 
Kuaishao, don't know, 10, Snapchat, 9, Telegram, 8, QQ, 7, Sinawaibo. This just sound like made up words, but uh, yeah, they, most of these I haven't even heard of. They must be, you know, international, international uh, right. that platforms. That makes sense. But the other thing is you've got LinkedIn at 16, which I would say a lot of our wow. clients are pretty uh, heavily into LinkedIn for mostly for recruiting purposes. Naturally, right. they want to see, you know, not just employee testimonials talking about how great it is to work there, but also any of their sort of uh, corporate responsibility initiatives, right. you know, workplace culture type things, or even just showing like this is a cool thing that we're doing is valuable for LinkedIn. And that just kind of goes back to this original point is what are you what is the message that you're trying to get across? Right. If if you're trying to increase awareness of your company to bring in great talent, then obviously you're going to want to target LinkedIn. If you are in a field that is more design or home goods type based, we see a lot of Pinterest need and and Instagram. Instagram is really big in the design world. Um, I find that a lot of our clients, Twitter is still a catch-all. They still would like things to be on Twitter. We haven't done this much recently, but there was a, a large demand, obviously, during the pan- pandemic for Twitter Live stuff. Right. Yes. Um, yes. So that's a whole other thing that we, you know, right. wouldn't count in the iterations. But YouTube Live, Facebook Live, Twitter Live. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, you see this list, and all of a sudden, it's like, wow, we don't really. Uh, wouldn't have guessed that this would be the order of importance. And it isn't necessarily the order of importance on a universal way, because for our clients, it really might be the way that you listed them out um, uh, with, you know, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. But for somebody else, you know, a video game manufacturer, Twitch is probably going to be way higher than, yeah, on this list, it's number 19. But you know, elsewhere, it would probably be number one. Those specifics of what LinkedIn does, right? It's very clear Twitch. It's very clear Pinterest in the design world. That's very clear. Those targeting to those platforms make the most sense to me because it's, you can be specific. They can all have specific targeting, right? But they have a built-in specific base that a client may be reaching out to, that we know that they're there, that people are into home goods or people, you know, business-wise, if you're trying to structure something B2B in, in LinkedIn, when you get more general for just Facebook, you know, I mean, I, I remember reading an article during pandemic that it was like, uh, retired moms are taking over Facebook, basically. Like my little sister's not on Facebook because she's like, yeah, there's no nobody calls on Facebook Everybody cools on TikTok, but, you know, still the impressions and the users are on them. The numbers are there for a reason. And it was our first one. You know, I I don't actively use Facebook, but I haven't gotten rid of it. It's there. I know it's out there. Still a number on it, you know, though I might not be moving the needle as far as my usage of it. But I'm curious to see, Ryan, where do you think this continues to grow, you know, for our clients and their needs? Where do you see this developing over, let's say, the next year and, and the iterations for these platforms? Well, I think as more of these platforms uh, continue to pop up and uh, sort of vary in their 
market interest and and what their uh, the audiences that they're reaching. I, I really think that it's. I wonder if it's less of a growth aspect and just a reorienting of you know the client that we were referencing before that we have you know 150 deliverables uh, that are really focusing on. YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, you know, does that then shift away from Instagram toward some platform that isn't even up yet? Or Mm -hmm. maybe, who knows, maybe somehow Tumblr makes a resurgence uh, in, in the field that this client is in. And so suddenly they want content for Tumblr. And we keep talking about shapes of videos in terms of the aspect ratios, but it's also best practices for, you know, a YouTube video, you have, they say, 15 seconds to capture the the attention. With an Instagram video, it's four seconds. So these are all variables that continue to change over time as our audience's attention spans are constantly you know being competed for Mm -hmm. and so you know is it going to be a thing Uh, i don't think so much about the number of deliverables but is it going to be a thing a few years from now where we're making three second i don't even know if you call them videos but it's just like messages that are flashing in some way that grab the attention that convert to a click to go somewhere else i don't know it's it's really hard to predict and you're touching on something here that's actually, I think, really important. And I wonder if where we evolve to in this thought of maybe targeting specific platforms because there are people on it that you want to bring your product to, they have different needs of what they should be. So going back to what we were saying in the beginning, we're just taking a shoot day and then afterwards crafting it into, you know, fitting into as many platforms as it can be. But ultimately, sort of the storytelling of what that video or a couple videos are really kind of stays the same because we're just shaping from the same raw material. The timing might be different as far as the runtime for videos. Certainly the uh, framing orientation uh, aspect ratio changes from platform to platform, but there is really significant differences in what works on one platform and what works on another platform. And I think getting to a place where we, you know, you have the time when you have the time, but to really be able to shape the storytelling for that product or that service for a specific platform seems like it will generate, it will, it will catch more than something that's just sort of generally not for any of the platforms versus being specifically made for them. I think that I would like to see that directionally happen. Yeah, I think it's an interesting balance because on the one hand, I think you want to have a good foundation of a story, like you're saying, because that's paramount to everything else. And, you know, one of the watchwords and sort of the digital marketing world um, and digital media is having something that's evergreen. And we look at evergreen as an adjective not just for the final deliverable, but for the material that we're capturing that we're going to hold on to long term so that we can return to it five years from now. And even though it was shot 
five years prior, we can repurpose that to whatever the trend of the moment is. If our if our core storytelling, our our visual sensibility and our our sense of narrative are there from the get go, we should be able to repurpose that in some way, no matter what the trend or the outlet of the moment is. And so I think hitting that moment in the pre-production where you are putting the time in to figure out what you need now and Mm -hmm. how best to accomplish that, but also having the flexibility down the line, the flexibility of mind to say, yeah, I mean, this thing that we shot for Facebook could totally work for platform X that didn't exist when we were shooting for Facebook. And so, you know, it's kind of like, what's the takeaway from this conversation as opposed to just being a couple grumpy old dudes that are like, oh boy, we have to deliver all these things and Get the, off my the clients, they, yeah, well, yeah, they want so much more. And the kids these days, they can't decide what they want. It's like, let's just A, tell good stories and be prepared for that. B, let's be on set and shooting with an open mind, not just for what's needed today and not even what's going to be needed before we, you know, wrap the contract on this given job, but what could be needed five years from now. And just having that presence of mind at all three of those points of uh, the production process so that we can continue to deliver great material for our clients you know, for many years to come. And that's a great point. Something that we will definitely do an episode on, which is maximizing your shoot day. And for us, that's not just about being able to get multiple videos out of a shoot day, which is a must for production, you know, now with where we're at in the world, but that we're looking to maximize that footage years down the line. So that's something we'll talk about another time. And I guess my last thing, my ask for our clients would be to try and, as you're, you're sort of alluding to, for their team and their stakeholders to be able to get on the same page in the brief that comes to us. Because so many times as we talk to different stakeholders on a project, they have different asks in their needs and it, it just slows down the process and ultimately becomes more cost effective for them. So I'm always hoping and urging our clients for them to be able to go through the process. We know it's everybody's busy and it's hard to wrangle everybody to get eyes on things. But as much as a client can streamline their brief and have everybody on board, not only the better job that we can do for it, but the cheaper we can make it because it cuts down either re-edits or reshoots or time in pre-production. So that's my hope there. We're definitely proud of the fact that, you know, we can handle those last minute asks, but, you know, and, and try our best to do it without like nickel and diming just because that's how we work. But at the same time, sometimes the, the thing that we always say with digital marketing is uh, pretty much always the client needs it yesterday. And so the more that, we know going into it, the better we're able to execute that uh, on those, you know, crazy timelines. It was like that. What was that PSA like in the 90s or 2000s? It was like the more you know. What was that? Yeah. It was something yeah. the more you know. Yeah. The more yeah. we know. Yeah. All right. So iterations, keep an eye out for it and uh, let's see how it evolves and develops uh, certainly over the rest of this year, but uh, as, as social media platforms continue to evolve. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, get a Sino Weibo account. 
uh, in between. Maybe, now. maybe Sean's maybe Sean's on Sinoy, but we'll have to talk. Oh, to him it's about probably that. what he's doing right now. Is yeah, he's, 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 he's just neck deep in Sinoybo. Yeah, we didn't have time um, for Sean today. We'll have to ask him about Sinoybo. Yeah, we'll check in with that. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna get an account. And I'm gonna become an expert on this and next client that comes to us with, you know, well, we need to cover some social media platforms. Have you heard of Sinoibo? That's it. We're going to check in big. with you about that process, see how you're evolving yeah. in your mastery of it. Yeah. Tune in next week. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Talk to you next time. Marketable is produced by Notice Pictures. We make podcasts, documentary, and narrative films and are the trusted marketing collaborators for a number of brands and organizations. Check out our work by visiting noticepictures.com. If you'd like to chat or have a topic you want us to explore, drop us a line at marketable at noticepictures.com. And of course, please subscribe, rate, and review the show.